Welcome to the Portland Real Estate Podcast, Oregon and Southwest Washington's number one show for real estate news and information. Without further ado, here are your hosts and a couple of guys who as busy realtors and successful brokerage owners know a thing or two about real estate. Steve Nassar of Premier Property Group and Joe Fistolo of Soldera Properties. Welcome, everybody, to the Portland Real Estate Podcast, episode number 142. I'm Joe Fostolo with Soldera Properties, and I'm so excited for this episode. It is a special episode, unprecedented. We've never done a panel of our industry leaders ever on the show, and we have such an all-star cast of the most powerful women in real estate here locally that I know them all personally. I've had transactions with all of them multiple times, and I know how busy they are, yet they're here donating their time to drop a little knowledge on our subscribers and listeners. So I am so excited for this, and to to introduce them is my uh, co-host and buddy from Premier Property Group, Steve Nassar. Thanks, Joe. I too couldn't be more excited for this show. And it I believe it's an idea that's time has come because we've all been a part or seen panels with, with great agents like we have here, which by the way, the three agents we have, and I'm not talking about me or you, Joe, I'm just talking about our three guests today, over $200 million in volume and you know about 300 houses sold in the last in the last 12 months so several of them own their own brokerages and here's the kicker they are such sweet nice ladies i find them also refreshing cuz i think sometimes there's a misconception in this business to be successful to do big things you have to be hard charging a jerk you know push people around and that is not who we have here we have some of the uh, some of the sweetest gals you'll ever talk to and meet in the business here with us today so without further ado i'm going to introduce them one by one and when i do tell us quickly about yourself your team how long you've been in the business and anything else you'd like to mention so let's start with you Brittany Gibbs well, I'm Brittany Gibbs. I am the principal broker and owner of Move Real Estate. Um, I have 25 people at my brokerage and about 15 on my team. And yeah, it's been a wild eight years in the business. I have two little boys. I have a four and five-year-old crazy, wild little boys. Awesome. And Brittany, all three of our, our panelists are in that. I, I, I just pulled some numbers on them in the last 12 months. They're all in the 60 to 80 million range. You know, somewhere between 100, 150 homes sold each. So I'll just leave it at that. All three of them. Heather, Heather Robbins, tell us a little bit about yourself, your team, and anything else you'd like to share with our audience. Oh, well, first, thank you so much for that introduction, both Joe and Steve. So kind. Thank you. I'm Heather Robbins with Robbins Realty Group. I um, own a small boutique brokerage in West Lynn. Been doing that for about eight years in the industry for about 20. Feels like I'm dating myself. And I love my hometown of Westland. That's where I do a lot of our business. My mom and I have owned the business for a few years and have been partners for 20 years. And she's been my mentor in the business and I love what I do. And one thing I want to I commend um, Heather on, 
Heather owns Westland. <laughs> like if, if for any of our listeners who ever want to understand how to have a farm area or a community or heck a whole zip code in her case, <laughs> Heather, you might as well put a brick wall around that town. She just is, she is the go-to agent in, in Westland and she's everywhere. She sells the most houses there and very impressive how you've built that business. And I don't know that we'll get to it today on our podcast, but in a, maybe in a future one, we'll dive deeper into, into that business model. And then Kim, Kim Galately, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your team and your business. I got licensed as a realtor uh, right after college. So I went straight from college into real estate 18 years ago. So don't do the math. <laughs> Just kidding. But, um, yeah, I, ha- I work with Berkshire Hathaway and I've been there the majority of my career. I started at a very small brokerage and then moved to Berkshire about five years in. And I have three buyer specialists on my team. I have a full-time transaction coordinator and just a lot of support on the marketing side. And it, it, and we'll talk more about that, but it's a huge reason why we, I'm sure as moms and as business owners, that it's definitely a lot of joint effort and support that, that we are blessed to be able to do this career. So... And Steve, you're very sweet. You just don't know me that well. You haven't seen the jerky side of me yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, okay. we're really, really excited to have you. And, and Steve, very perceptive. I was going to say that too. It's that we have, we're among excellence here and they're all awesome people, like inside and outside of real estate, awesome people. And when people are at this high of a level, you know, you don't always get that. You get people that, you know, are a little cranky and, but I am so excited. And, you know, Steve and I have been doing this podcast forever. This is like old news for us, but I'm a little excited and nervous because <laughs> you guys are awesome. So I want to, I want to jump right in and give the people what they want. And we've had lots of discussions in masters in real estate about our rates the rates are jacking up and we've been spoiled for a long time, probably are still spoiled, but it's going back to like 2009 is where our rates are today. And what are you noticing with the rates going up as far as the activity? Heather, you want to take that? Sure. Absolutely. So I may be dating myself, but my first home was at eight and a half percent interest rate. So talking fives, I'm like, oh, shoot, that's easy compared to like the eights or the like 12, 13% in the eighties. So yes, it's affecting the market. Absolutely. Those first time home buyers are probably feeling the squeeze uh, like, oh, we cannot afford what we used to be able to afford. But then also just as a trusted real estate advisor, I'm talking with my clients as far as like, hey, here's some things that we can look at as far as when interest rates go up, what are our options? One first is going to be reducing that price range that they're shopping in. If they were shopping in six to seven, let's bump that down to like five to six, five fifty, six fifty. Like we've got to adjust our expectations on what they can afford. Buying down points is an option. And then also let's look at some creative financing. Arms are coming back in. So a seven-year arm, I think that's at like 4.25% or a 10-year at four and a half. So if they're not looking for like a 30-year fixed and looking for a way to get that rate down to make it more affordable, let's look at those other options. And the last option, which I, I rarely recommend unless it's the only option, is let's wait this out a little bit. 
But if they're sitting on the sidelines and not purchasing, they're also losing out on appreciation. And, you know, Westland right now is at like 19.3% appreciation. I don't want them missing out on that. Let's look at some other creative financing to adjust to those interest rates. Absolutely. Kim, what do you think? My biggest surprise in this market is that unless a buyer is actively looking, a lot of people don't know what the interest rates are. I mean, even my sellers don't really know what the interest rates are. And so I'm seeing a lot more buyers shopping around, talking to multiple lenders, just needing to educate our buyers that, you know, if you do decide to change lenders, we need to know that within the first three business days, or we do have to get the seller to agree to that change. I agree with Heather about, you know, potentially getting more closing costs, buying down the rate. With my buyers and I, we're really targeting homes that have been on the market for two weeks or more because we just have a higher likelihood of potentially getting some closing costs, potentially getting a lower price point. And as we all know, kind of that two to three week sweet spot on the market, it's kind of before the seller has decided to make a price adjustment but they're getting motivated. They're wondering, you know, why didn't we go pending right away? Why didn't we get multiple offers? So those are some things that I'm working with right now on buyers being really specific on the type of home we're looking at and how long it's been on the market. And then also just a lot of conversations with a lot of people who actually don't know what the rates are doing. And we'll talk about this later, but specifically the sellers. That's, that's really smart. Just get there on the cusp before the price reduction. So then they're willing. They just haven't reduced yet, but they're already thinking about it and getting coached. Uh, I'm taking notes. I'm writing that down. (laughs) Uh, Brittany, what do you think? So, I mean, I've definitely seen a little bit of a change in my business over the last couple of weeks as rates have risen. And just the news being like, you know, might go up to 6% by the end of the year. I feel a lot more urgency. Over the last couple of weeks, I've seen a little bit less offers, but still the offers are great. But as far as like my buyers, I think I got a, a good portion of them that were priced out. That five hundred, you know, at five hundred thousand, which is our you know an average price point for a first time home buyer, you know, that's a twenty, that's over that three thousand dollar a month payment, and a lot of buyers can't do that anymore. So it's just been an interesting topic. Same sort of thing, talking them into arms and you know telling them to refinance when they can. So that they still qualify, but yeah, it's been interesting the last few weeks. How about you, Steve? Are you noticing a slowdown on on? Uh, oh, is it motivating people to go buy something? You know, sometimes it kicks up a little. It gets people off the dime. If it kicks up too much, then they want to like hunker down. I and and Joe, I call that dead cat bounce. I know that sounds gory and gruesome, <laughs> but 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 that's that's actually a term in Wall Street. Where um, basically when an event like this happens, it actually it actually brings a bunch of activity to the market because there is this this brief moment where everybody's scrambling, trying to find a home before this process continues of rate increases. So I would say here and now today, I haven't felt a massive change to my business, be it listings or buyers. And we're going to go into sellers and buyers specifically individually in a little bit. And I, I do have some individual stories, but they're not every, you know, they're not the masses. Our listings are still getting offers, oftentimes multiple offers. 
our buyers are still competing in most cases. Now, is this going to continue and how long? I think a few things will be dependent. First of all, as you said, rates are the highest they've been since 09. I mean, my lender told me this week that she's quoting in some scenarios, not not par, but not everybody, but 6% is in play. It's on the rate sheet. So if I think, you know, a lot of it depends on what rates do from here. If rates remain where they are today and stay there, I can see there being a little bit of a soft landing where, which is which is probably what the Fed wants, by the way, where, you know, the craziness of the real estate market kind of goes down to a normal level. However, I don't know if that's what rates are going to do because there was also some data out this week that inflation was at eight and a half percent year over year, which is the highest it's been since 1981. Do any of you who don't want to date yourselves know what rates were at in 1981? They were in the teens. Okay. Not trying to scare us, but, and I'm not saying they're going to the teens, but they could keep going up. And at some point, you know, that's going to have big effects on the activity that we're, we're seeing. So those are some thoughts I had there. Cool. Let me let me jump into the next question. Yeah. Let's dig a bit deeper into both sides of the business, buyers and sellers. Let's start with sellers first. And I'll, I'll start with you first, Kim. Are you observing any changes in behavior on the part of sellers based on conversations you're having with them and their attitude about this? Has anything changed? Are you seeing some rush to list? Feel free to share examples and stories. Absolutely. So kind of similar to what I said before is most of my sellers, and I don't know if it's just me, but most of my sellers actually don't know the rates. I mean, they've, they've heard, you know, they're increasing, but they honestly couldn't even name the number that it is. So what I'm doing is I'm bringing it up. I had a listing presentation this morning and I'm bringing it up right away in talking about pricing because I just, I want it to be at the forefront of the seller's minds that because for the last two years, but especially I would say the last five or six months, I feel like for the most part, sellers have said, I just want to push the limit. Like I want to list the highest I possibly can. And even at that, I probably get five to 15 offers. And I think those days are gone and that's not necessarily a bad thing. So just talking about interest rates, talking about affordability, I definitely think it depends on the price point. For instance, the lower price point is what's being the most affected in my opinion. Like I had a listing that was $489.9 in Beaverton two weeks ago. We listed the day before the rates really popped up. And before we were like, yeah, we're going to get multiple offers. We got none that weekend because that is the first time home buyer price point where that interest rate, I mean, that could make a difference of, you know, $100, $200 a month. It just depends. So surprisingly, the lower price point, I think really needs to know that those are, that's their target market. Those are their buyers or the people that are most affected. The higher price point for the most part, you know, higher down payment, possibly not as affected by interest rates, but I'm definitely bringing it up first and foremost to my sellers because it will affect them. And it's so, I love that you guys are having this topic now because it's so early 
it's almost like we don't really know. Like Heather, Brittany, and I, I mean, Steve, Joe, we're all kind of waiting with bated breath because it's only a few weeks into some pretty massive hikes and we're just waiting to see what happens. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it, I mean, when you stop and think about that, Kim, I mean, that 489 house you listed, mm-hmm. it's like the payment of a 650 house a couple months ago, right? Yes. To those to those mm-hmm. first-time homebuyers. And those first-time homebuyers, they're not cashing in equity. You know, they're, they're scrapping to get their down payment. Usually they're doing a minimal amount down. Maybe they're getting a gift of of some amount. It's interesting. I do agree with you. It starts with the lower price points, but then that's going to trickle up the the food chain because now those seven, $800,000 sellers don't have that 489 seller to buy their place as, as they're not able to sell as quickly. And I know we're in the early innings of this. But I think there's more cash in the market as you go up higher as well as part of that. Brittany, what about you? What are you seeing on as far as changes in behavior on the parts of your sellers? I've definitely felt some urgency over the last you know the last couple of weeks of people hearing on the news that the rates are going up. And just as of my listing appointments, same as Kim, I've been trying to manage those expectations because even before that, they were seeing, you know, 10, 15 offers and just kind of letting them know that. There are some people in the that are going to be priced out of that price point, so we may not see all of the terms that they've been hearing about over the course of the last you know six months. And so, you know, a lot of people were shopping at the top of their price point, and they're bumped out. And so, you know, I think we'll start to see a little bit more like serious buyers in those price points, or people that were you know looking a little bit more accurately. But mm-hmm. I've definitely felt I've felt it. Just, I think we've been called probably 10 times just in the last few days of being like, we need to go. People that mm-hmm. are sitting on the fence. Because I think that a lot of people think it is going to impact our market a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've had several sellers that they, they bring up like, well, we know we should do some improvements and some painting, but is there time? Should we should we just rush to the market because of what rates are doing? So I, I agree with you. And, and we had a couple of comments here. Dennis Catone said in 1981, the annual rate was 16.63. So yeah, that's, that's a high interest rate. And I don't think leading up to 1981, was there the appreciation that we've been seeing year over year for quite some time now? So there are differences in the markets, right? We were already, you know, at a high price point from appreciation for many years in a row. In fact, there was a, there was a statistic just today on CNBC that said the same house today, because of the price increase annually, which has been about 19% year over year nationally. I'm sure it's a little different in our market, but nationally it was 19%. And because of the, the difference in rates from last year to this year, that same house amount of down is about a 37% increase in payment because of the higher rate and the higher uh, price. Heather, let's move on to you. What what changes are you seeing in your sellers? Yeah, uh, first, I just want to acknowledge the great advice that both Kim and Brittany are giving their clients because they're doing exactly what should be done is setting those expectations, managing, explaining, advising. I mean, that's what we're all doing as trusted real estate advisors is coaching our clients on what's happening real time in the market. So I echo what Kim had to say about like my lower price listings not getting as much traffic and not as many offers as even just two or three weeks ago, which is is something to think about and take into consideration. And then training the brokers at Robbins Realty Group of like, hey, this is what we're seeing real time. My higher price listings, 
they're still going pretty fast and strong because those buyers are pretty flush with equity. And so, yeah, they're not loving a higher mortgage payment with the increase of rates, but it's not affecting them as much as those first time home buyers. So my sellers, I'm not seeing a big rush to market. They still have a plan and yet they're very cognizant of the interest rate increase. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Somebody told me the other day, they said, well, I don't know if mortgage rates are going to affect the, the housing market because there's so much cash in the housing market. Well, a lot of that cash is from people who sold to somebody who was getting a mortgage, just to just be clear. So, so it, there, is a, there is an effect. Justine Syke made a comment. She said, my f- sellers have been busting their butts to get their houses listed. Last weekend, we had multiple offers on a listing to have one of the buyers actually have to submit an addendum reducing their offer because the rates had changed mm-hmm. and they could no longer afford the original offer. There oh, is wow. another agent in my company who told me last week, we were talking about this subject. He had 10 offers. They accepted the best one. They had to cancel because they no longer could afford the house. So there are some shoots of stories of this. There are some flashes. Can I ask a quick stories question? Like this. Yeah. Sorry. So in that case, I would just be curious rather than, you know, quickly doing a price reduction, I would honestly, as the listing agent, I would encourage you call the buyer's lender, see what the difference is in the interest rate, see what the cost is to buy down the rate. And I think you'd actually save your seller a considerable amount of money. I mean, maybe they have to, you know, maybe the rate buy downs five grand, but the price reduction they asked for was 10 or 15. So just kind of thinking like that, I, I, I would just encourage us all to not be so fast to reduce the price to our sellers, but try to see if we can buy down the rate. Yeah. You got, you three have had really good advice about that. I, I'll, I'll be completely honest with you. And, and it's, this is probably surprising because I, I have a background in the, the lending industry. I have not started those conversations and those strategies yet in in my world yet. I mean, hearing you guys talk about arms and buy downs, I think that is the there is a lot to be learned from that. And I think there's a new future for all of us. And it's great to hear it. And it's probably going to be one of the better takeaways from this entire podcast, I would I would think. So thank you all of you for sharing that. Joe, what have your sellers been doing? Have you noticed changes in their attitudes? Not really. Everybody knows it's kind of coming, but right now it's a seller's Disneyland. So they're not, they're not really concerned about themselves. They're thinking, okay, well, once I'm a seller, then now I'm a buyer. And now I got to do what all these people are doing. I got to be one of 10 offers and I got to come in way over ask. And you know, what's interesting with the, with the hike up in rates, well, someone makes an offer but they go a hundred grand over list price. Well, if if the rate goes up, maybe it's like they just went 50 grand or you know, 25 grand over list price. So it you can't simultaneously sell and buy in the best scenario market. You can't sell high and buy low in the same market. So there's a little leveling effect, but we're not there yet. But I predict everything that you guys mentioned as far as like buying down rates and paying for closing costs, which is unheard of in this market. And, you know, contracts are going to come back. The homeowner who's free and clear on the house can make, you know, five and a half percent on their money and sell it directly to the person. So we did a lot of contracts back in the day, and I think that might come back too. So with this, 
It's a good segue to the buyers. And there's a lot of questions here. So I'll rip through them and you guys could pick whatever you want. With our buyers, the rates going up is changing their behavior. And what are the attitudes you're seeing from the buyers today? What's changed? Has anyone just said, forget it? I'm tapping out. I'm going to just rent and sit on the sidelines, maybe wait it out. And then you just answered a question. Have you ever had someone have an offer accepted and because of the rates going up so quickly, they had to back out or adjust, which we just heard. Do you have anyone uh, frantically scrambling to secure a home out of fear that it's going to escalate even higher? Pick any, all, whatever you want. Brittany, what do you think about that? Yeah. So I'm also feeling a ton of urgency on my buyer side, especially in the lower price points. People that were just, you know, that are in that lower price point that, you know, they're about to be priced out of our market with the rates going up. So tons of urgency there. People that are kind of just settling a little bit, which is always sad in my opinion. But, and then there's tons of people that have been priced out over the course of the last couple of weeks, which is also a little bit sad. And then, you know, ultimately I haven't seen a ton of, I haven't personally had a back out of a deal and or had one on my listing, but you know, I feel like that's probably coming if they, you know, they changed like they did drastically over the last week. So. And are you, are you seeing this kind of in the like entry level, lowest common denominator? I mean, if you can afford a million bucks and the rates go up and you're getting a loan for it, you could always buy a 900,000 or $800,000 home. Are you seeing the people taking a knee in all price ranges or is it just basically the entry level? Mine's just been the lower and entry level, just because I think they're the ones that are the most affected by it now, right? So the three percent, you know, a year ago to a to a five percent now on that five hundred price point, that's five six hundred bucks on payment. Yeah, and people can't afford that, and just you know, as their first home, where you know, in the higher price points, people are a little bit more prepared. They're typically not at the very top of their price point when they're searching, anyways. And so, you know, I definitely only feel it really in that lower level right now. So, and that's hard. It's hard to get accepted right now. So it's a lot of these people have been in the market for a year or two, just trying to get a place because, you know, in the last year, there's been 15, there's no inventory and then 15 offers on every home that gets listed. So the chances of you getting a house anyways is tough. And so those people have just been like, as the prices go up, you know, their affordability has gone down and down and down. And that's, you know, it's tough. A lot of people do get priced out of the market. Are you seeing the same thing, Heather? Yeah. So I can speak to this as a first time home buyers because my, my adult daughter and her husband, my son-in-law are buying a house right now. And what they could have afforded just a few weeks ago is, is different. And so we're having to get creative. They're purchasing outside of Park City in Utah. And Luckily, we found an off-market deal for them. And so we have a little bit of time to be creative. But even last night, as we were putting the offer together, it's like, we're going to have to wrap in some closing costs. It's the first time I've wrapped closing costs in an offer in seven years, maybe eight years. I mean, and it was just one of those like, okay, well, we're not giving up and we're not going to take a knee because you are going to lose out on appreciation. So we've got to find a creative way to put this together. And, you know, just bringing that to my other buyers as well of taking a knee, being on the sidelines, let's consider that the last option. Let's look at all options first. And then honestly, hunting for those off-market opportunities or seller carry contracts 
It's another way. What you said, Joe, is a great way to try and find a fit for our buyers and the seller and, and put a deal together. Yeah. Life, life doesn't slow down for real estate, right? We all have our needs and good market, bad market. You just got to jump in. And I'm glad you're working on that for them because they do need to jump in. And I don't agree with taking a knee myself. We're going to see some correcting, but by the time it corrects down to what you think it might correct down to, you've lost so much, you know, equity and, and appreciation when it goes back up and all those things. How about you, Kim? Same scenario for your buyers? So with my buyers, especially just the last few years with remote work, I mean, honestly, we're just sometimes even pushing out the area a little bit. Like for instance, I had some buyers recently that really have their heart set on Tualatin and we just kept getting priced out. Ultimately, we found a beautiful four bedroom home in Newburgh and I love Newburgh. It's a great town. They, they work remotely. They could do it. So potentially just moving out the geographic area. You know, again, targeting ideally some homes that have been on the market a little bit longer. I just got a great offer accepted for 30,000 less than asking yesterday on a house that was on the market 30, 30 days. So, you know, just being really intentional and honestly, just loving on our buyers, like really encouraging them. It is so discouraging. And I I see it. I mean, I honestly see it on my buyer's faces when we go look at houses. And so just encouraging them and, you know, it's so easy to look backwards. It's so easy. I've had my buyers tell me, Oh, Kim, you know, I should have bought something in December. Don't look back. Always look forward you know, by now, if it's the right home. And that's just my personal mantra. Like I, I want it to be the, it has to be what I call opportunity driven. It has to be the right home. Don't, don't settle. Don't push yourself to do anything you don't want to do. But if it's the right home, then we just go hog wild on it. And I know this is a touchy topic, but you know, I still include buyer letters if the seller's open to it. And I have my list that I send to my buyers of everything that I and my team can help them do to, to look different in a, in a seller's market, you know, appraisal gaps, lender calls, letters, uh, you know, was uh, saying we'll not ask for repairs valued over a certain amount. I mean, we've all got our things and I've learned from other people. Like recently my buyer, we lost out on an offer and the other buyer did a non-refundable earnest money after inspection. So it was still pretty safe. Like I wouldn't recommend that before, but after inspection, a large amount of their earnest money went to the seller. I'm like, that's creative and pretty low risk because you're already through the inspection. So I'm kind of getting these little kernels and tidbits too, that I can hopefully add in my, my belt of things to help my, my buyers get their offer accepted. So sorry that was long-winded. <laughs> no, it was perfect. It and, and very uh, strategic. My chest seizes up when people release earnest money after the professional inspection because you know somebody can die. It could not appraise like wildly. If, if somebody but, dies, is that the worst thing that's happening right there? In their world? <laughs> Good point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's right. I guess if it's on the seller side, maybe you can earn his money back. But yeah. Anyway. What, are, what are you seeing, Steve? A lot, a lot. 
first of all, I, I have to agree with Kim. I mean, gosh, I mean, if there was any, if there was ever another hammer that was going to drop mm-hmm. and hit buyers, could it have been this ticking time bomb? I mean, they were already so frustrated for months and months and years and years. I mean, depending where they were in the last couple of years on the fact that they were making offer after offer after offer and oftentimes losing out. But now you've got rates, just you're watching them tick, 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 tick up as you're still trying to make offer after offer and you still can't get home. So definitely love on those buyers. I agree generally that yes, it is affecting mostly the lower price point buyers, but we have had a couple experiences where it affected some higher price point buyers. One comes to mind where we actually, they were a move up buyer in, they have a house in Tigard. I had gone to the house. We did a listing contract, believe it or not. And, and I don't do this very often and I'm regretting it this time. We ordered photos and marketing and, and I did spend a healthy amount of money getting it ready to list. And in the 11th hour, they, they, they pulled the plug. They didn't want to list. They weren't seeing the right inventory and rates had ticked up so much. They were going from about a $700,000 house to about a $900,000 house. Okay. Well, the way things worked with their financing and their budget, all of a sudden, those $900,000 houses that they could afford, that price was coming down because of the, the, the difference in rates. So now all of a sudden, they're looking at homes that are basically lateral moves to them. Does that make sense to everyone? Yeah. So they've now sidelined, and I think I'm going to you know, probably eat some photos and some marketing costs on that one. We had another buyer that we were working with. He... Again, and 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 the common theme with these, even though they're higher price point buyers, and they're you know they're people that that have good incomes and livelihoods, but I could, but you could tell that they were pushing their their income threshold slightly. He made an offer in Lake Oswego, almost a million and a half, and while we were in escrow, literally he locked in a rate. This was jumbo financing. I want to say in the mid threes. By the time we were doing inspections, rates were in the fours, okay? So we wanted the deal to stay together. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It was a flip property, a a major flip property, like, you know, half a million dollars worth of improvements made to it. And we found some issues with the home. And I mean, it was a compelling reason to try to keep the deal together. But in the end, he had to terminate. And that rate is gone forever, right? At least as far as we know right now. And now he's a little bit, you know, sidelined. He's a little bit less eager to get back out there. Not to say that he won't, but that's kind of where he's at. We had one other one other story I'll give you guys. This was a seller of ours. It was the opposite scenario. We were representing a seller. We were in repair negotiations. Rates had gone up. Since we'd gone into escrow in the two, three weeks we'd been in escrow, rates had gone up quite a bit. It actually kept the deal together. The buyers made a pretty egregious ask for repairs and the sellers pushed back. And ultimately, I think the deal stayed together because they had locked in their rate and the rate they had at that moment was probably half percent better than they could get moving forward. So interestingly enough, kept a deal together in that regard. So. Yeah, we are seeing, again, and and I started the podcast saying, you know, this isn't the masses. I mean, our business is still busy. We still have a lot of good things going on, but these are some, you know, 
I'd say, you know, Canary in the coal mine stories that are happening on the outskirts of your business. There, you know, one here, one there. So it'll be interesting to to kind of follow that through. So let's move on to uh, question five. And we'll, Heather, we'll have you answer this one first. Let's talk about the industry. Let's move away from our clients. Let's talk about others in the business, agents, lenders, title companies, inspectors. Are you seeing others talk about being slower? Are you hearing stories? Are you, do you have any thoughts there? Oh yeah, I got thoughts. <laughs> so I, yes, I'm seeing people slowing down. I'm, I'm hearing it. I'm seeing a little bit of slowness in, in our own brokerage. What I'm seeing is a little bit of an attitude change, just like with the market correcting. I'm starting to see a little bit more humility, if you will, in the market. It seems like first quarter listing agents were ghosting. If you weren't highest and best, it was taking a while to get your paperwork back. It was taking a while for them to answer you. There was just some like unprofessionalism going on. And there was discussions about this on masters as well. I'm not seeing that as much now. I'm seeing listing agents returning calls very quickly. I'm seeing lenders quick to return phone calls. You know, you go the extra mile. It's never crowded there. I like have such a passion for like, let's elevate the reputation in our industry. Let's just always do our best work. And um, so I'm pleased to see that better work is being done. I'm feeling it in my transactions with co-ops. I'm feeling it with service providers. And I, I, luckily I, I work with amazing people, so I wouldn't want to take away from anyone's efforts. I just, I'm seeing a little bit of humility and like, just go on the extra mile. And that thrills me to no end. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How about you, Kim? Are you seeing changes in the activity level and stories from others in our business across, across the business, all service providers and everybody involved? I would say not necessarily just because of the interest rates, but just an excitement to be together again. I feel like the last few years, and it's a it's a double-edged sword. I've been getting a lot more like lenders, title companies, you know, people reaching out to me, and and I I love that. I I'm I'm naturally actually quite introverted, but I really enjoy people. But I'm realizing I have to be really protective of my time too. So I've just been noticing a lot more people reaching out wanting to network. And again, I love it, but I'm having to like be really focused because we're seeing some ripples in the industry that I'm just trying to kind of be like, okay, you know what's going on out there. (laughs) So mainly just an excitement over community and relationship again. And just people, I agree with Heather, like, you know, it's like we need each other, whether we are so busy, we don't realize it, or it starts to quiet down and we do realize that nothing's ever really changed. We, we need each other and we need to respect each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Brittany, how about you? I think the biggest change I've seen is probably in lenders, since obviously the refi boom isn't happening anymore. I've been a lot more lenders are reaching out. They're also nurturing their business of just the resale business, which I think got kind of pushed to the back burner over the course of the last year or two, you know, because they've been so busy with refis, like business was great. So, you know, overall, I feel like customer service has definitely gone up on the lending side. We have been told just in general, like even with say like Zillow, obviously I, I still use Zillow. I'm part of, you know, for my team. And they've even mentioned like, there's just kind of a, a massive slowdown in, in lead flow through them. So I've seen that. 
And then overall, same with, with uh, Kim and Heather, just people are returning phone calls and being a little bit nicer and just overall communication is better across the board. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. lenders are the big one. I, I, I agree. Just yesterday, I heard a statistic that refis are down 70% year over year. I appreciate that because in a lender's world, they have purchases and they have refis, kind of like we have sellers and buyers. They have two buckets of business, right? Well, one of them has pretty much completely gone away. Imagine if all of a sudden we woke up one day and we no longer had sellers or we no longer had buyers, you know, virtually came to a screeching halt. Obviously, that would, you know, affect us tremendously. So I don't think title companies have felt it as much, but I think their their refi volume of open orders and closed orders is down. I think us as agents, we're a little bit more insulated. I think we're a little bit further downstream. It kind of reminds me, and I'm not trying to spook anybody here, I promise you. And I don't think we're approaching anything, knock on wood, and I have wood here, by the way, (laughs) remotely like 2008. But I do remember in 2008, I was a lender. And I remember when I saw the tsunami coming and people in my industry we're like, oh my God, this is going to be bad. I mean, we were hearing stories of banks closing down, rate sheets being shut. They're saying every this program no longer exists. This one no longer exists. And I do remember calling realtors that I worked with and they had no clue. They like literally, I would call an agent and I'd, I'd be like, I, I think something's coming and it's going to be big. And they're like, huh? No, I just got another listing. It, I, life's good, right? Well, eight months later, that listing was still sitting and and- they later felt what we had felt early, early on. And, and I, I don't think it's going to be anything like that, but I wonder if there's an element of that where the lenders are feeling it first, they're slowing down and, and, you know, we're going to feel a little bit more of it here downstream. I will say one other statistic that I heard recently, just today on CNBC nationally, and, and they were acknowledging Diana Olick is the real estate guru on there. She was acknowledging that closings and pendings have not changed, but she said lockbox activity nationally was down 19% for the month, year over year. So, so there was some activity, there was some slowing down in, and that's kind of a forward indicator, right? Like that's the activity that is next month's closings or, you know, July's closings. How about you, Joe? What are you, what are you seeing from people in the business? Well, so the the attitude I see that's changing are two things. One, the lenders are getting out of refi and they have to go back and, you know, rebuild those connections with the realtors for resale and new construction sale. And then the other thing is amongst the realtors, I agree with everyone here. It's one of those, have you ever heard like, watch how someone acts when they don't think anyone's watching, you know, or like for the powerful women in the group, right? When you went, when you were young and dating and single, did you ever get advice like, hey, if you go somewhere and you're with this guy having dinner and he's a jerk to the waitress or waiter, you know, that's a sign, you know, someone who's a jerk to someone who's under their status. Well, it's kind of coming back around a month ago, the nicest people in the world were the selling agents. You know, I send a buyer love letter. I send my own love letter to the listing agent. The, the lender sends a love letter. You know, we're always accessible. It's like we're the other half of the, of the heart, you know, <laughs> that completes it. 
And now it's not so much king or queen of the hill. I mean, we're not seeing 15 offers. We're seeing like three or four. And maybe there's more to it. Maybe there's more to price and qualifications. Maybe it's the the professionalism of the broker bringing the offer. Maybe it's the ability to close. So I've been very lucky. All of the listing agents I work with where I bring a buyer, they've all been super professional and it's been terrific. So I didn't notice that much of a change, but I know people are because the listing agents are less on top of the hill and more kind of we're in this together type of thing. So with that, I have a question is all of these changes of rates and what's happening in our market. What are you guys doing differently to adapt? And I, and I hate throwing out buzzwords like pivot, but what are you doing to adapt to this market and still be able to make a living? Kim? Oh, you always have to start with me on the hard ones. <laughs> well, I mean, I will just humbly admit I I don't pivot well. I don't change quickly. Like I, I honestly just do the same thing all the time. <laughs> it's just a creature of habit. But I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because one one challenge with this market that I found, I don't know, you guys probably when you're talking to to just people in your sphere, in your your friends and family, they're probably like, oh, you know, it's must be so great being a realtor. Wow, you know, easy peasy, you know, everything's selling. I don't know about you guys, but this has been some of the most stressful season as a realtor because there is so much competition. There are so many agents that I can not, you know, I interview alongside and I cannot get the business because maybe, you know, they're more qualified or maybe they reduce their commission or a million different reasons. So this market is actually really challenging. But one of the interesting things I look back actually in 2008, my business grew 40%. So I actually am excited about this market. I don't want that to sound strange. Like I want everyone to have success, but I I, I want the hardworking professional realtors who have dedicated their professional lives to this industry. I want them to rise. And, and ideally, you know, let's let's just hone in on those who are very serious because we truly do deal with people's largest, if not second to largest investment. So I'm looking forward to the market. I'm hopefully looking forward to less competition. I'm looking forward to being seen more as an advisor and just working hard. That's all. I'm just going to heads down, work hard. (laughs) And although everybody had a crazy, awesome year last year, when the market is too good, sometimes it's hard to really make any money, right? Mm Because it depends on your own personal statistics. But if you're writing six or seven offers per buyer to get one to stick, you know, maybe it's better than that. Maybe it's three, but you know, 30 offers written and, and 30 days out there showing property, if not more, to get 10 deals is, you know, sort of difficult. How about you, Brittany? So I haven't really made any changes quite yet, because to be honest, I'm not entirely sure what changes to make other than, you know, just kind of managing expectations on the seller side and preparing the buyers for changes and what that looks like for them in the future. But 
with Kim on wanting this market to change. I think the last two years, it's been it's been really hard. And it, honestly, it's not fun. I mean, my least favorite parts about the, my job is telling buyers they didn't get a house, mm-hmm. you know, and having on your buyer or on a listing, it's it's pretty rough. And then just overall working for free. I joke all the time, but every once in a while, I'm working with buyers for a year straight where we're going out almost every single weekend. And it just, it's it, it isn't that fun because... Like I said before, they tend to end up being, you know, oh, I I can make this work, you know, because it's one of five houses in my price point. So I'm ready for a little bit of correction. I don't want a 2008 to happen, but I'm ready for something to, you know, go back to just just some type of normalcy where we're not waiving every single contingency because at that point, I don't really feel like we're doing our jobs very well. So I'm ready for some normalcy and I'm hoping that that's all it is and we don't see a massive decrease. So me too. Steve, you making changes? As of yet, no, not not yet. And I think we our next question will lead into you know what would it take for us to to start making changes? And I'll and I'll touch on that there. But as of yet, I, I probably one thing I'm thinking a little bit more about savings and just making sure there's reserves. The nice thing, and and that let, let's just segue into the next question. I'll and I'll ask that, and that is if we've been minimally impacted by the changes. What would it take for you to be concerned about mortgage rates reaching a higher level in the near future? And what changes would you make then? And I'll kind of kick that one off. You know, I could see a scenario, and I'm not trying to scare people, but I could see a scenario if if they ticked up seven, eight percent pretty quickly, probably my biggest fear for the business would be a scenario where it happens so fast. And so abruptly that everybody's looking around going, this is going to be bad. Prices are going down. I don't want to buy now. And I don't want to catch the falling knife. That's not happening today. And I hope it doesn't happen. But if all of a sudden we're sitting here 60 days from now and they're in the eights, you know, something's going to give. Something has to give because the bank is now taking a lot more money on those same purchase prices. So fortunately, one thing that I appreciate about our business is most business expenses can be thinned down. There are a few exceptions. I'll give you one because I just signed a new lease on a suite here in our office on Meadows Road. Okay, You can't change your lease. It's, It's a fixed cost. But most everything else in our businesses, even staffing can be adjusted. It's probably the last thing you ever want to adjust, but it can be, you know, marketing costs can be adjusted. So I think the harder things in life to adjust, in my opinion, are personal expenses. And, you know, I've been pretty careful over the last few years, largely because of lessons I learned in 2008 about keeping my personal expenses, you know, pretty modest. So I feel like I'm I'm in a good position in that regards, but I'm keeping eyes on things. And if I see rates go much higher, I'm probably going to start looking around at some various expenses and, you know, what makes sense and what doesn't. And, and we did, and by the way, we did that at the beginning of COVID, you know, in March of 2020, I was not alone. I think a lot of us, when we thought that, you know, business was dropping by 30% overnight, I think we, a lot of us did that, but because of COVID, we also became flush with business and and we've done well so a lot of those expenses have ticked up business expenses be it marketing be it advertising be it you know 
various programs we have and, and software, et cetera. Heather, I don't know if we got you on the last one. Why don't we start with you on this one? So what we're doing as far as changes, we've been um, implementing quite a few marketing strategies and very geographic centric. And so we're rolling out some more um, strategies. I would rather take home less and increase my marketing. That's my background is marketing. And so we're really working hard to make sure that we are taking advantage of every marketing opportunity. But back in my triathlon days, we had what we call a headwind and a tailwind. And I'm, I love cycling and running and you can be cycling. And there was this one time in an Ironman race where I was going 25 miles an hour on my bike, which is really fast for me. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm killing it. This is great. And I turned a corner, I hit a headwind and I dropped from 25 miles an hour to 12 miles an hour by just changing a corner, right? I didn't know I was in a tailwind until I hit the headwind. And oftentimes we don't know we're in a tailwind until we hit that headwind. And I would say that the last two years have been a fantastic tailwind and we're going into a headwind. And in a headwind, like in that particular race, I saw professional athletes quitting, like just getting off their bikes and walking. And of course, like, it's just not in me. I'm like, okay, I've got to double down on my efforts. I've got to stay really focused and have these blinders on of like, I'm getting to the finish line. I'm not going to look on my right and left and see the people that are quitting. And kind of what Kim said earlier, like a change in market, a shift in the market, hitting a headwind is going to take get the cream to rise to the top. And so I would say, and what I'm coaching my team on is we're going to double down on our efforts. Our output may still be 12 miles an hour when we want to be at 25 miles an hour, but we're not giving up and we're going to double down, triple down on our efforts to get our mile per hour higher. So that's, that's what we're doing to try and compensate for changes now and moving forward in the market. But we've, we've been preparing for a while. I'm a girl of the recession, right? So I know what it's like when the market just shuts off overnight. And I'm very cautious and careful when it comes to finances and preparing for that. And I've been coaching my team on that as well of like, save for a rainy day because the rainy day is coming. We've had a fantastic tailwind market for quite a long time. We're hitting a headwind. You can still finish a race. You can still run a great business in a headwind. You just have to work harder and smarter. Mm-hmm. Great stuff. And it's, I'll, I'll also put this out there. You know, when COVID hit, there was a lot of industries that were winners. Let's just call mm-hmm. it that. There was a lot of industries that were winners where, you know, there was a lot of losers. We all know that. There was a lot of winners. If you pay attention around us, one by one, they've started to feel pain. Has anybody looked at what Netflix is doing today? They're down $50 billion in valuation, okay? Peloton, even, uh, I mean, the story goes on and on, right? I mean, not everything lasts, right? And I feel like we in real estate have been, we're kind of like one of the last people standing, one of the last industries standing. And, you know, so don't be surprised if that changes for us as well. One other comment I wanted to say, Justine Syke, another comment. She said, as things get a little bit more challenging, I personally know three agents that were getting part or full-time jobs. I think we're going to see that trend continue. Kim, again, this is not about what have you done so far, but if the trend was to continue and you were to start Mm -hmm. see some pains coming to the business, what are some things that you would be doing different? And, or maybe you're starting to think in your mind, you would do different or strategize in a different way. Oh, it's a good question. I I just like to work. <laughs> I 
enjoy work, but I'm, I'm realizing, you know, in this, I don't want to take this on a rabbit trail, but I love my job so much, but you know, work doesn't name me. So I would, I would heck get a hobby. Like I'm speaking to myself, like it's not the end of the world. If I'm not working seven days straight, I have a beautiful, beautiful family spend more time with my family, go on vacations. Like I, I like to run a pretty lean business as far as costs. Like I've always run a pretty lean cost business. I don't spend a ton of money marketing. I just, I try to find how to do things cheap. I love to go to the dollar store. Like I'm kind of a cheapskate. (laughs) I'm just speaking to myself. Like I'm learning. I have not learned. I am learning to just stop and enjoy what God has given me. And that's hard. That's hard. And this business may cause me to do that more often. But from a business standpoint, it's interesting, like as you guys were talking about like rates, there's always an opportunity in a challenging market. And like for lenders, I'm thinking I would love it if a lender approached me and said, you know, here's an opportunity. People are afraid of rising rates. Like what if I armed you, Kim or Heather or Brittany, any of us with some great marketing, we partnered together and offered something to your sellers where we can market this low rate. And then all of a sudden I'm like, wait a minute, I'm standing apart from other listing agents because all of a sudden in a 6%, 7% or whatever they are or may be, like if I can say, hey, my listing will help you get in at four and a half percent. And please know, I mean, I don't know all the rules and regular, like I'm just talking. But I would love it if a lender would approach me and say, hey, there's an opportunity. Yes, refis have gone. But if the market's going to cool, how do we get in front of it and start partnering with realtors on marketing to offer reduced interest rates to the market, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or through those arms. Arms are such a great idea because most people, you know, they don't end up staying there that long anyway, in many cases, mm-hmm. especially like a first time buyer, right? How about you, Brittany? I mean, are you, as rates go up or, or if they were to continue going up, are you thinking about changes you would make? to your business or? Yeah. Like, so I've never been in a downturn, right? But that's something that always crosses my mind. Like, right, this can't last forever. It always goes up. It always comes down. And so I know it's coming. And so I've always been really frugal in my business. And when COVID happened, there was a really quiet month and a half, two months before the the craziness. And I went down to skeleton crew and I, I mean, you have to, it was, I was really fearful of all of these things. And my business wasn't built on knowing what that turn what that turn looks like. And I did think it was gonna happen overnight. And so, you know, now as we moved forward from even that, I've been a lot more cautious on where I spend my money and like what expenses I'm allowing into my business. And so for the last two years, we've honestly run pretty skeleton crew. And I so I, I think that, you know, we'll be okay. But yeah, I mean it's it's a fear of mine because I don't know what that looks like. Sometimes those down, you just made me think of something, Brittany, because we were we were fortunate to have that two years ago. I, I think we all felt it then, right? Right when COVID hit. And it, some, there's something cleansing about those moments because you actually look through your business. And normally when we're busy, like we have been in the last year or so or longer, you don't pay attention to that $100 debit that just automatically comes out of your account or that you know $50 one or the $300, whatever, right? But there is something of that when you have those down moments, and I bet lenders are doing this across the gamut right now, it does force you to look at go and go, okay, I'm paying the subscription for this. When was the last time I used it? Do I really need this, right? And 
And so the fact that what you're saying, Brittany, is you did that two years ago and you went through a cleanse. So you're in a better place today because of that. And so that's an interesting, interesting thought there. Joe, how about you? I think I'm going to answer something that you said and segue into the last question all in this answer. And that is when someone says, you know, they they have two jobs, part-time jobs, I'm going to show you somebody who does two jobs really crappy, right? Because <laughs> if you're awesome at real estate or awesome at being a hairstylist or awesome at whatever, that's all you would do, right? And honestly, like how confident would you feel if you went in for heart surgery and, and the guy's like, yeah, I'm just part-time heart surgeon. You know, <laughs> I also am a greeter at Walmart. You're not going to feel <laughs> very good about it that you're getting the absolute best. And if you look at 2008, there were 12,000 realtors. By 2012, there were 6,000 realtors. Fast forward to today, there's 12,000 realtors. So the last question is, where's the optimism in our current market? What What's the good stuff coming down the pike for us? And I think it's never been a better time to, to master your craft. And, and it's very ironic that I'm telling you three people this to master your craft because no one does it better than, than you guys. But there's going to be a thinning of the herd. And the, the whole Darwinism of this is the, the strongest realtors are going to continue to be realtors. And even though the population of realtors gets cut in half, the half that's left gets more of the pie, right? So the most professional people out there will be okay. So let's see, who wants to take that one on first? Heather, how about you? Optimism okay. for 2022. I'm very optimistic. I think it's going to be exactly what we think it's going to be, right? If we think it's going to be our best year, it's going to be our best year. And I don't necessarily mean like, oh, how many files we're closing. It's our attitude and, and what we're bringing to the industry and to our clients. So I try really hard to have an abundance mindset of like, there's plenty of business for everyone to go around. And you're just to like lean on what you said. You're right. When you're mastering your craft and and thank you for your kind words. I certainly feel like there's so much I can continue to learn and grow in what I'm doing. And every day I'm like, I mean, I'm thrilled to be able to be even included with Brittany and Kim. They're like, holy cow, amazing. So when you look at those people around you, success leads, leaves a path and just like be watching for like those crumbs, those, those things that can help you do better, be better. And so I'm like very optimistic. I'm thrilled. I get to work with amazing people at Robin's Realty Group. I get to work with amazing clients that I consider friends, like all that. It's, that's just good stuff. And at night I get to go home to a great family. So I'm optimistic. It's going to be great. Good. Kim? I mean, I know it sounds cliche, but like we are blessed. Like, I mean, just look at the world, look at the world right now. We are so blessed. And I'm just like, how how did I get to get into a job where all day long, I just meet with very kind people and it's not always happy. I mean, you guys know it. I mean, I met earlier with someone going through a divorce and, and their daughter's also graduating from high school. I mean, talk about change times 10. We, we sell homes for people who are expecting their first baby and they're so excited and we sell 
homes for people who, you know, have lost someone, really lost someone. And, and really, I, people trust us. I, I find it, I call it a healthy burden. I feel a healthy burden in my life, not just financially, but also just as someone who is trusting me with a huge investment and also just trusting me with an emotional time. So I'm just, I'm thankful. I'm very thankful. I don't, I'm learning that I don't need to sell a million homes, but I need to just, just be thankful for what I have and, and keep moving forward. (laughs) Well, you know, you've heard the saying that if we all threw our own problems on the ground, we'd pick our own up first. I mean, that's a good point. There's people right now homeless and getting shot at and relocating to safe areas. And, you know, our biggest problem is our rates are going up a little bit. So coming from abundance and coming from a thankful perspective is the healthiest, best attitude you can have moving forward. Uh, How about you, Brittany? You know, I'm, I'm optimistic as well. You know, I love my job and I think I'll love it. I think that one of the biggest reasons beyond the people that I love my job is I love puzzles. Like I want to figure out ways to make it work one way or another, whether that's a deal or getting somebody approved or getting them into their dream home. It's like, I love the puzzle. I love the the project. And, you know, for me, I just think it's, it's a new problem I get to figure out. And I think, you know, pivoting into a new market is going to be interesting and fun. And I, I'm excited for a little bit of a slowdown to also enjoy time with my family and, and work on my business. I mean, I grew, we grew really fast and I've talked to the challenges that have arisen from that with, you know, with Heather, it's like, I have a lot of work to do, you know, and you've helped me with that too. It's just like, there's a lot to learn and I'm excited to have hopefully a little bit of a slowdown to do that. So I'm optimistic for, for the rest of the year and next. Good. Steve, how about you? What's uh, what do we have to look forward to? You know, I think as a realist, I do think the overall market is going to contract, but that doesn't mean my business has to contract. I just have to grab more market share. And we've been doing that. We've been doing that. I mean, my team during the last few years, when many, many agents, no one on this panel, but many, many agents were letting off the gas with their marketing, doing less with staging, not mastering their craft with how helping their clients get their house in the best, you know, presentable strategic position. We were doubling down. We were getting better. We take the long approach, right? We see the long approach. We know long-term that that is the better way to build a business. I went to a listing appointment two and a half weeks ago in John's Landing. They got a postcard from me a year ago and it's been on their fridge. I sold a house nearby and I did just listed and sold postcards around it, right? We had done a lot of help to that property. We'd done some great marketing. Now, would that property have gotten 10 offers if we did nothing? Probably, but I have a new listing today because I did a great job then. So I, I think there is a lot. And, and I think those agents, like everybody on this panel, who built those businesses, even when you didn't have to be building them, are going to be okay. I think we're going to be okay. Now, there's a lot of agents, I believe, that are going to be scrambling in, in the coming months. They're going to try to figure out how to do all those things. Probably not that differently than lenders who stopped calling agents for a year because the refis were so kept them so busy are scrambling trying to call agents now and build new relationships quickly. 
I think there'll be agents scrambling, trying to build, you know, business models that are successful during adverse times, right? So I'm very optimistic. And, and Kim said it best, right? The, the professionals will do well. And I'm excited for a time where we will be rewarded. The professionals who go the extra mile. I love that saying, Heather, by the way. I've heard it a couple of times before. There's never a traffic jam on the extra mile, right? So no, that's, that's good stuff. The other one I like is uh, the ladder to success is only crowded at the bottom, right? So yeah, so, yeah there you go. How about you, Joe? Well, I'm looking at the clock and I think we should be uh, thinking about like our final thoughts and I guess I'll, I'll kick it off. I'm not necessarily going to talk about rates or changes. It's more about mindset. And we all touched on this at one time or another, but you need to come from a place of abundance, not scarcity. We need to strive to master our craft and be the absolute best we can possibly be. And everything's going to be okay. You know, the market might adjust, but it's going to be okay. And just keep doing what we do and help as many people as we possibly can. And the money will follow. You know, don't think about the the money. You think about all the people you help, sellers and buyers and everybody else, fellow realtors. It's we're all in this together. We should all be helping each other, sharing with each other. There's enough real estate for everybody. So, you know, march forward, have fun and grow old and rich together. Those are, those are my thoughts. Can I just grow rich? I don't want to grow old. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How about well, you I want, to, I want to thank our panel. I mean, just and to our audience and our listeners, I mean, please let us know if we, because I, I would love to have the three of you together again, you know, in the future. And maybe it's a different conversation. Maybe it's a little bit about, oh gosh, how to own a zip code, Heather. <laughs> um, and, and some of the other, some of the other things that we could glean from all of you in regards to your businesses and how you've successfully run them. But thank you so much for all of you for being here. And, and, and I'm not saying goodbye for you, but we'd, we'd love to hear from you. But please, listeners, let us know how much you appreciated this. What an awesome rock star panel we had here. Yeah, I think this is the best podcast episode ever. Out of 142, this is number one, at least for me. I would agree. Yeah. Thank you yeah. for the opportunity. Really, truly. <laughs> Well, I mean, Brittany and Kim are phenomenal and Joe and Steve, I I've learned from all of you over the years, like just really great nuggets of wisdom. And, and so I appreciate what you put out into the world and thank you. I receive it. Thank you. Okay. Well, you're welcome. Thank you so much, you guys. Thanks for doing this. Thank you for giving of your time. I mean, I know how busy you are and to take an hour and 15 minutes out of your day to answer a bunch of questions for our subscribers and listeners. I think we did a lot of good today, but we are, Steve and I are super appreciative. So we do have some great comments, very helpful podcast, best ever, great panel and conversation. Thanks everyone. So with that, we'll wrap up, Joe. We'll have this pinned to the top of masters for people to watch. And we'll also get this out to all the thousands of other agents via the podcast and yeah we have a we have a wide audience and and this will be great for them all so thank you hey 
everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Portland Real Estate Podcast, Oregon and Washington's number one show for cutting edge real estate discussions. Also, I'd like to give a shout out to the members of Masters in Real Estate, a private and exclusive Facebook group, and the number one source for all real estate topics. Thanks for being there, gang. I love you. Finally, I want to thank our faithful listeners. Without an audience, we're just two guys talking to each other. Make sure you hit the subscribe button so the new episodes automatically come to you. Make it great.